I mean, I've often seen messages get mixed in terms of just why are we doing this project? And as you get into the, the detailed project team, it's about we're doing this project and it gets distilled down to because we're going to hit this date because basically, you know, Dave said so, right? And versus the real benefit is something, you know, to deliver a capability to our customers or to the business or to, you know, a particular function within a business unit to enable them to, you know, produce an outcome that has business value. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Agnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. If you've spent two decades as I have, as a coach and consultant in the corporate world, there is one thing that becomes abundantly clear. IT projects cost a fortune and most of them fail. And you you ask yourself when you see it year after year, why? Why does so much money get wasted on projects that aren't finished, go massively over budget, or don't even end up doing what they were supposed to? The short answer seems to be poor communication, or at least that's what I learned when I had David Markwell uh, on the podcast. David is the Senior Vice President of Information Technology at Lubla, and uh, what I've learned is that there's you know, huge IT software that underpins the groceries I buy in-store, and if you don't get the communication right, those projects never come to fruition. So in the conversation today, David talks about what it takes to get a project going, to get support, to deal with the inevitable hiccups, and how you have to deliver bad news the right way. If you've ever managed a project, if you ever intend to manage a project, this is an episode that you need to listen to. So enjoy my conversation with David Markwell. So today on the Inspire podcast, it's my pleasure to welcome David Markwell. And David is the Senior Vice President of Information Technology at Lubla. And uh, if you haven't lived in Canada, you uh, may not know that Lubla is a huge grocery chain. And I've certainly spent far more money there than I ever thought I would when I enter. But the you know the stores are great. The food is exceptional. And it uh, always ends up having me leave with more than I came for. So and behind the great food, I'm sure, are great IT systems. And uh, what it takes to get those IT systems in, in place is what David is uh, is focused on his role. So, David, welcome to the Inspire podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. As you know, my area of passion is communication. And for you know the 20 years I've been working with clients uh, in the corporate world and in, in government, I, I hear about huge capital spending on IT projects. And often my clients talk to me about how these projects go over budget, they're failures, uh, companies pull the plug, and huge frustrations and business setbacks ensue. When you and I were speaking, you said that one of the big reasons that failure happens is communication and the uh, lack of leadership communication. And so I thought it would be worthwhile to have you on because even if people listening aren't managing a 
multi-billion dollar IT budget, everyone has projects that they want to have launched, they want to have uh, completed successfully. And I thought this, uh, your insights and expertise into why that doesn't happen and what you should do instead would be invaluable. So yeah, maybe I'll turn it over to you and start with this question. Why is it fair to say that many IT projects do end in failure or are unsuccessful? And if so, how do communication failures play into that? I think to address the first question around, you know, how many IT projects actually fail, I think there's an off-cited, uh, often cited Harvard Business Review article from 20 years ago that said it was like over 80% of IT projects end in failure and, you know, failure to which either deliver scope or on time on budget is sort of the, you know, usual reasons for um, these projects going off the rails and then ultimately either being canceled or just, or failure can also be it ultimately was resolved or put in, but never delivered the benefits that were um, originally designed to be delivered by that particular capability enablement. And yeah, I've, I've had the pleasure and, and the privilege and also, you know, the stress of having to deliver a, a number of large programs over my career. Um, and, you know, there are, there are many reasons they, they can, they, you know, have challenges or fail. Sometimes it's technology related. Sometimes it's lack of skills. Sometimes it's lack of understanding, but in terms of why they succeed and ultimately, um, you know, the project is, uh, you know, move forward and the capabilities are adopted really comes down to, I think, the strength of the communication amongst the team and amongst the leadership group that is responsible for that implementation and ultimately the communication with the stakeholders uh, and decision makers at a senior level within an organization, especially if the projects of the, you know, large and strategic variety uh, in terms of, you know, where the progress currently is, what the challenges are, and then what are the ultimate um, you know, steps to be resolved to ultimately deliver against the objectives. And so with, if that's what defines success, what are some examples of communication failures that lead to that 80% rate of either failure or failure to deliver on all the benefits? What have you seen in your career? Well, I think part of it is not enough. I mean, typically technology professionals are not uh, trained communicators. I mean, I've certainly done my share of training uh, to improve my own skills. And I think this it's something that they don't typically focus on. And I think that lack of focus, you know, manifests itself in, in sort of two varieties. One is uh, people from a technology perspective, when they're communicating, often use technology jargon, technology lingo, or immediately sort of jump to what they believe is uh, a viable solution without bringing people along or clearly explaining in business terms, especially to business stakeholders, what the, um, you know, what the current situation is or where they need to go or what's actually going on within the, within the project. And, you know, they don't spend enough time actually preparing those messages or accurately delivering those messages and can often descend into uh, the minutia of details or jargon. And what that does is it leaves the stakeholders feeling confused, disempowered, or just, you know, like there is a general sense of loss of control uh, on this particular initiative. 
And, you know, thus that leads to some of these decisions to either shut things down or take drastic measures or decisions that may or may not be in the best interest in the overall delivery of the project. Hmm. And I'm wondering if you could just give me an example where you, del- you know, explain something, you know, just in a few sentences, a project it could be you know, a hypothetical or a real project using this kind of technology jargon and then ex- translate it into business speak for me so I can hear the difference. Okay, so let's do this. Say the situation is you're sort of two weeks from go live and, you know, you know, there's been challenges, say, with the performance test. It's not performing. And so a technologist may come in and say something like, you know, the interconnects on the database are not um, performant and we're not meeting our NTTRs or SLAs uh, and our, you know, IHOPs are not, um, you know, producing the right uh, throughput to enable the uh, metadata to effectively be realized against the uh, you know web front end, right, or something like that. Yeah. So, what would be the um, translation? Well, I think if you were going, you would say basically uh, one. You wouldn't obviously get into all those details, but you would say basically that look, the performance that we've all agreed is acceptable is that the you know the web front end needs to respond within three seconds. That's industry best practice. And that's something that obviously we would all expect. Um, there's been, you know, by design, a number of components that need to work together. And we're working through the overall uh, integration of these components to deliver against the performance test results. We have a plan that has us diagnosing, you know, at each level. And, you know, we're confident that, um, you know, we'll be able to resolve this in the next, you know, 72 hours or something like that, right? And so, um, you know, that would leave them with the sense of, like in the first message, it was just a bunch of jargon with not a lot of focused um, communication around, okay, so do you have this under control or do you not? And then, you know, what's the time frame that we can expect to know whether we're in good shape or not, right? So in the second, you, you frame it in the context of something they'd understand and something that they've committed to, and then you would uh, give them a path forward, giving that there's a sense and a plan that things are under control, and then you know a time frame by which they could expect to hear from you again, or uh, you know expect an update. Like that, and I think you know what sets leaders apart is their ability to do exactly what you did, which is to go away from their own knowledge of a product or process or system and think about the audience and the impact, and right. translate language accordingly. Right. You have to think about what, how your stakeholders want to, to hear the message versus how you might want to deliver it or how you're thinking about it. I think that's, that's key. Right. And the other thing I think you need to be mindful of as a technology leader or even a leader in general delivering projects is you have to think about it in terms of the stakeholders' perspective. Right. If it's the CFO, they're obviously concerned about the budget and, you know, make being delivering the capabilities and the benefits that are aligned to it. You know, if it's someone who's the business owner of the project, obviously they're worried about reputational um, risk around not delivering something, you know, having their name tied to something that doesn't work. And so you need to sort of um, think about the perspective of, you know, how are they approaching this particular situation? Right. right and, and, and tailor um, accordingly. And, and one other thing I, I'm wondering you can elaborate on that you mentioned that I was intrigued by when we spoke earlier is that. Another problem you've you've seen in your career is is the lack of ownership from the IT team or the project team 
of the communication process. Tell me a bit more about what you mean by that and what you've seen. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are the there are the core components of project delivery, right? You There's your system delivery lifecycle, which is all the documentation that you need to produce, plus all the deliverables. Uh, those could be either, you know, things like requirements documents, solution blueprints, technical engineering documents, you know, code specifications all the way to the actual delivery of the code and then testing packages, things like that. And then there's the project management deliverables. <clears throat> and those are things like the project plan, you know, a risk log, budget status reports, things like that. And then there's a third component, but these are this is the one that's often uh, delegated to somebody who may be outside of IT or maybe on a periphery group, like say HR, a communications group, and that would be your change management plan, your user adoption plan, your training plan, and your sort of overall communication plan. And sometimes that's structural, but it's also not necessarily one of the capabilities that's taught um, as you learn either to deliver projects, you know, through a project management discipline, or as you come up, you know, delivering projects from a technical capability perspective. So I think it's one of those disciplines that needs to be I'd say more integrated into those training programs, but also needs to be the accountability of the 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 team or the IT um, professional responsible for that overall project. So they really have to take ownership. It's not just doing the project. In other words, right? It's doing the project involves communicating about the project to the diverse group of stakeholders, and you can't separate or delegate out that communication piece. Is that, is that what I'm getting? That's absolutely right. And that's true if you're thinking about, you know, communicating outside of the project or even internally to the project team. I mean, I've often seen messages get mixed in terms of just why are we doing this project? And as you get into the, the detailed project team, it's about we're doing this project and it gets distilled down to because we're going to hit this date because basically, you know, Dave said so, right? And Versus the real benefit is something, you know, to deliver a capability to our customers or to the business or to, you know, a particular function within a business unit to enable them to, you know, produce an outcome that has business value. And I think the successful ones are the ones where they're actually able to communicate that value statement within the internal teams and then also make sure that the communications coming out um, to the external stakeholders always tie back to that value. Right, because it's if it's about just becomes hitting a date, then you might communicate, you know, we're going to hit the date because that's what you think people want to hear, and ultimately deliver a product that doesn't meet the requirements or enable them to enable that capability that uh, they'd originally signed up to spend the money to actually deliver, and then everyone's disappointed and upset, and it's all about you know which message and which focus did you provide through that messaging. Yeah, so it's really about starting with. And having every communication, the project be about the rationale, being about you know why you're doing this, right? Why you're pushing through, and from everyone's perspective, having unity around that, so that yeah. people are energized to work together. I would say it's often not done. We just you know, and at I've, all, <laughs> you know, myself included, just launch into delivering something, right, and not spending the time to do the right you know, socialization, especially into the team that, and often what happens is in projects, you know, you have a business team that will have to ultimately adopt this change, but you create a whole separate project who's doing the project that's going to actually transform the way these other people work. And you don't necessarily spend the time until the last minute saying, okay, well, here's your training plan and, you know, involving them and communicating with them about what's going to be different through the process to also take feedback. 
And then, you know, they see the result, you know, right before they're supposed to adopt it. And they're like, whoa, that's not going to work for this reason or this reason. Or they haven't been brought along from a change management and communication perspective to understand why they need to change. Right. And they see it, you know, and people generally don't like to change. Uh, they like to keep doing what they're doing. And unless they really understand the value or the need to, to change, you know, you could see resistance. You could see, um, you know, subversion in some cases, but some sort of negative response to this overall, what could be a very positive um, journey for them. But they don't see it that way because they, they haven't been led to see that way. So let's imagine, okay, so you, you've outlined so many reasons why, you know, failure to take ownership of communication and really build the consensus can derail you know, buy-in or even the project. So let's look at the solution. You know, let's imagine that you have, you know, a member of your team who says, look, I've, I've wrestled with failure I've, and I take your points, David. My communication hasn't been there. How should we start? In an idealized world, or maybe a better question is in the real world, what is the best way to address some of these communication failings and instead, you know, lead? Well, I think this, it's probably twofold. One is, uh, you know, making sure that that individual or, you know, all leaders have, are comfortable communicating. I mean, we often don't like to do things that we're either not good at doing or not comfortable doing, so we avoid them. And so being confident to speak, um, you know, is, is uh, and to actually make your point heard and actually to really believe in what you're saying, um, you know, I think is sort of that initial step, right? And unless you've got the skills or the confidence, um, you know, it becomes very difficult to actually get the message across in a way that people feel that you're delivering a message with confidence and then, you know, uh, basically feel that you're credible around what you're saying. Uh, so I think that's step one. And then step two, you obviously need to be very clear in your messaging, um, and in your planning around that messaging about what uh, it is you're actually trying to communicate and who is the audience and what is it you um, you know are trying to say. And obviously writing it down is certainly a trick that I've used, right? You, um, you know, if you can say it in three or four bullet points and those are the key ones and those resonate back both to the value delivered through the project or what you're expecting to deliver, you know, how does that tie back to something bigger like a corporate strategy? Um, you know, how does that tie back to what we're trying to accomplish as a business? Um, you know, obviously that those words, and if you're able to use words that people are familiar with or, um, or, or, or uh, concepts, then, you know, it should resonate better. And then I think a third, I guess I said two, but the third would be to actually budget the appropriate time to communicate, right? If, you know, if there's, um, you know, if you're pressed for time, uh, on deliverables, you might just focus all your time on getting them out the door and not communicating. So I th think it's a conscious decision to actually say, look, I need to budget a certain amount of time per day, per week, per cycle uh, on a project to communicate, to spend time with my stakeholders, to make sure everybody's clear about what the status is. Uh, and that, I think, separates what the good you know, program leads uh, from the, the ones that are learning overall is that they actually spend the time to go around and make sure everybody is clear on what's actually going on versus people hearing it through the rumor mill or through hallway conversations, um, which can also, you know, take on a life of their own, especially if it's a, a negative rumor that's going around. And so the leadership communication really is as important as the project management or the, or they're inseparable for the most successful projects. It sounds like. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, if you're trying, if, especially if you're trying to deliver something without, without a lot of noise or a lot of drama, uh, making sure everybody's clear on where things are at, you know, where the current challenges are, 
what the plan is to address them and then ultimately you know are there any compromises or risks that are going to be need to be taken on by the company by the business unit um you know and and having that done early enough that people aren't surprised uh, and also have time to work through those processes and, and that really the, this um, what i'm taking away as well is okay so you when you have a leader who under who takes this on as a commitment they they build up the skills they take the time and they dedicate to communication the first place that they have to get clarity and ensure unity is around the rationale the why for the project once the project is started then you know many projects go on for months if not years and what so let me ask you next okay the project has launched you have all these stakeholder groups who understand the why they're all in agreement inevitably there are setbacks you know budgets are cut uh, capital spending is deferred a vendor fails in some way how do leaders communicate to through these failings, through these setbacks, in your experience? We talked about project failure. I think in a lot of cases, the natural tendency is to blame or to um, look at them as excuses. I think, you know, in my mind, um, you know, and certainly through the years, I've matured in my own perspective. But, you know, I see each, what you just described, whether it's a capital, you know, reduction or a change in direction or some event that's happened, you know, it's a choice, right? And you need to make basically make the reciprocal choices known. So if capital's cut, that means obviously, you know, you need to communicate effectively that, you know, the original scope can't be delivered for that amount. We're going to have to make choices around what gets reduced. We have to make choices around either then we're going to defer it, right? And I think it's in those choices and making people feel like they're empowered um, to make those choices from an informed perspective, I think really allows you to navigate those difficult situations. Um, and whether that's a date extension or, you know, a reduction in scope or, you know, making a case that why that capital cannot be cut, but maybe there's an opportunity to do something somewhere else. So at the total company level, the cost reduction is achieved, but you haven't necessarily implicated or impacted the project or the outcome or the quality of what's being delivered through that. Hmm. And can you think back in your career to a project where something went wrong and, and maybe one the moment that <laughs> you went from kind of a dark hour and where you really had to put these skills to use and through communication uh, brought people together and righted the ship? I wonder if there's an example you could share with us. Yeah, I think, you know, there was, there was, I mean, there was a, there was a situation where, you know, there was multiple groups, multiple delivery organizations had needed to combine to produce the outcome or this, you know, this product that we were building. And, you know, there was, I would say, issues between the groups and there was a bit of a power struggle. There were, communication gaps and there was a lack of willingness for people to spend time together and so what we ended up with was this situation where the analogy that was sort of born from this was we had were digging subway tunnels and you know one was coming from the east and one was coming from the west but because you know they uh, everyone had agreed on the subway tunnel but they hadn't agreed on the depth so they were sort <laughs> of you know past each other um you know but never met and so you ended up not with with the outcome that we wanted uh, which was a you know a subway tunnel that went somewhere. We ended up with two dead ends uh, that didn't meet, and you know the ultimate responsibility fell on me to get the groups together 
to realign on, you know, and there's a lot of obviously team building and, you know, rules of engagement discussions and other technical details around architecture that needed to get sorted out. But ultimately it was about, you know, it was, a, I would say, a, a process of, you know, getting people together, working through the situation, the details, you know, what got missed, why this was the case, and then coming back with a unified position to senior management around, okay, what had happened, because that's always important. You have to address the, the what had happened and what have you learned. Otherwise, there's always that perception that, you know, you're just going to repeat uh, the same uh, situation and then, you know, what we were going to do different and then how we were going to sort of sustain this uh, newfound collaboration to ensure that any future subway tunnels were built, um, you know, to connect. And I think that that one was a, that one was actually a, a real turning point for us. Yeah. Delve a little deeper into that one. So you had this situation. I love your metaphor of these two subway tunnels. And then you wake up one day and you go, oh, my gosh, these are never going to meet. <laughs> and we have two teams building separate tunnels who obviously were at odds or competitive or, or not talking. What did you say to the two teams to get them to stop and realize that they had to unify the approach? I think, you know, the initial couple of discussions were difficult. Um, I think it was about, you know, acknowledging that everyone had worked with the best of intentions, that, you know, we were in this situation not because we, you know, anyone had intended it to be that way, but because, you know, there were some structural and some situational issues that needed to be resolved and needed to be changed and uh, improved. And that the purpose of this was not to assign blame, uh, it was to chart a path forward that would allow us to ultimately deliver what we needed to deliver for the organization, um, you know, but it needed to be done in a collaborative and uh, integrated manner. And then, you know, allowing people to voice their perspective in terms of, you know, how we got here and what they felt success looked like, I think was important as well. Um, and also it was important to, uh, hear everyone's different perspectives because, you know, ultimately, you know, you might have one way that you want to solve a problem, but you need to take everyone's uh, opinions and perspectives and make sure that they're bought into the ultimate, um, you know, path forward mm -hmm. that uh, the group charts. So in many respects, you, you simply applied the same uh, goals and, and approaches that you do at Project Start. You know, here, bring everyone to the table, hear everyone's distinct perspective, Go back to why you're doing this, what the benefits are, and ensure alignment. So it sounds like dealing with you know setbacks and problems is really the same skill set and mindset as starting a project. Is that accurate? Yeah, agreed. It's just obviously it feels a lot better if you do it at the beginning than having to <laughs> dig Had yourself you out it? of a giant hole, right? Right. Um, Had you in that yeah. project, in retrospect, had you failed to do that at the beginning, and did that precipitate the? The problem well to your point earlier about projects can go on for many many months and there's obviously things that change along the way i think that honestly we had done a good job of it at the inception but that project had long, run so long that what we hadn't done is sort of refresh that perspective hmm. as you know different players changed whether it was in the delivery teams or in the stakeholder group um you know requirements had been changed outcomes had been changed and we hadn't done a reset. And so we just sort of plowed ahead 
And I think that to me in, in retrospect, you know, it almost needs to be on a periodic basis that you're getting together, revisiting, are we still on the right path? Are the messages still the same? You know, how are we, you know, all feeling about this? And, and do we feel like we, we need to do a reset or, or if the parameters, are they fairly consistent with where we were last time? One final thing I want to ask you about, you know, we've been talking about communication to bring a project to a successful endpoint, even if that endpoint changes over time. But even, you know, I'm sure with the best leadership, not every project is ever complete or is successful. And sometimes, you know, organizational priorities change or realities in the market change, what have you. What kind of communication is important in the event that it's time to pull the plug on the project? It's important to be honest. And I would say that's one key theme that, you know, needs to be true through all your communication. And obviously that helps build trust and helps people see through it. I mean, if you try and tell stories, usually there's people who know what really happened. And so that, you know, gets out there as well. So I think to deal with it head on, to be honest, to be, um, straightforward with what's happened and and why the situation has come to this point where we need to pull the plug. But I also think to be clear about what the implication is and, you know, just make sure people understand. um, And there's a consistent explanation about why the the situation is like this, why we've made this decision. Um, It's not a random decision. It's been thought through and, you know, the alternatives have been weighed, but this is the best path forward for whatever the particular situation is here's the financial implication here's what it's going to mean to other projects or other capabilities that may be interdependent and ultimately here's what we need to do next and maybe some lessons that we would have learned from this particular situation and i think that you know it's never a positive message i think but to deliver it with integrity and with conviction uh and without blame because ultimately at the end you know i'm sure it was a it usually is a combination of things. There's never usually one person to blame, although often, you know, one person bears the brunt of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's the best way because people see through, um, let's say, insincere messaging, or if you try and gloss over it, or if you don't deal with it head on, um, people always know. So it's better to not um, try and be dishonest, not to insult their intelligence, and just be clear and straight up. Yeah. And again, to just have that accountability. I mean, I think that's that's what's coming through to me as well. This idea that you as a project leader are accountable for shepherding not only the project itself, but the people who are part of it to hopefully a successful conclusion. But in even in the instance where it's unsuccessful to the the next step. David, uh, this is this has been very illuminating. I, I might ask you for a personal reflection here. If you were to be able to go back in time and share some advice with your younger self as you embarked on your career in managing and leading projects, what would be, what would you say that would have the greatest impact for your, would have had the greatest impact had you been able to do that? I mean, especially around communication. I mean, I think I mentioned before, it, was, it wasn't something that came naturally to me. And I had to practice long and hard at it. I would have told myself to get at that a lot earlier in my career. Um, you know, how to deliver messages without emotion, how to, you know, really elevate the messaging to not be in the technical weeds, but at a level that people could 
understand and to also be to spend the time doing it right some of the messages that i'd given earlier those are sort of my my key learnings over the years and ones that i certainly you know provide as guidance to people who are starting out in their careers or, or earlier in their careers than i am now um, about the importance of of the communication and the words that they and the messages that they deliver both to their team and to their stakeholders like that's um those are really the key things uh, and so certainly valuable uh, insights for me um, and, you know, we, uh, and also I'm sure for anyone listening, no matter what industry they're in. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your, your expertise, your hard earned expertise uh, with, with me and on the Inspire podcast today. Thank you so much, David. All right. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed my discussion with David Markwell of Lublaw. After that, I will never buy a loaf of bread or pick up some fruit in one of the stores again without thinking about the IT systems that went into it. If you did enjoy the discussion, if you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you're subscribed so you'll never miss an episode. Leave me a review. I love them like a junkie for every star rating I get, every comment, so keep them coming. And if you keep coming back next week, I have a really uh, different guest. His name is Mike Michaelowitz. He is not a corporate executive. He is a author and coach to small business owners. And he talks about how you really get to the heart of what you want to be doing, how you let go of some beliefs that you might hold and how you embrace uh, things that from a business standpoint will make you happy and ultimately more successful. And I had Mike on because he's really in the business of trying to get people to change deeply held ways of working. Uh, And I want to talk to him about how he does that. So it's a fascinating conversation and uh, I encourage you to tune in next Monday for it. Thanks and uh, may your week be inspirational.